On this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, last week's Nintendo Direct featured Snipperclips and Doom, pretty much covering the whole spectrum. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, joined as always by my co-host Mark Mitchell. We got a good show for you today. We're going to be breaking down last week's Nintendo Direct, including talking about that Octopath Traveler demo. Uh, And then next, not next week, next show, on Thursday, we're going to have our review discussion of Metroid Samus Returns. But first, Mark, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah? I'm uh, maybe jumping the gun a little bit, but I've decided that it's hoodie weather. Oh, you're you're correct. It is hoodie weather. And and you're a big fan of the hoodie. I am. I think it's partly because I'm perpetually cold. No, but you haven't been cold the last couple of weeks. No. In Los Angeles. That's very true. But this like, is a great segue into the weather report. Right. It's pleasant? Mm-hmm. I was gonna say cold, but it's not. It's not really cold. I mean, I, I I've been sleeping with a blanket on the bed in addition to you know, a sheet. Uh-huh. I'm saying it's like I need I need a little bit more. Yeah. We're layering. It's yeah. LA's version of layering. That's right. And it's it's all very comfortable and I like to be I like to get co- I like to be chilly. Do you do you prefer like your home to be very cold mm. and then so that way you can, you know, like get into bed with lots of blankets or do you prefer your home to be like what I would consider a normal temperature, and then, you know, not uh, have to uh, layer on the blankets when you go to bed. I I think I would prefer the needing the blankets. Oh, like, okay. I do. I mean, having grown up in Wisconsin and enduring those winters that are negative thirty, uh, I there's something very comforting about like pulling a blanket up and several blankets having an electric blanket turned on <laughs> you know all of these things just to like survive the cold i like that it sounds to me like you do not you yeah know. yeah yeah i don't you'd rather just be normal i'd rather just be normal all right uh our guest weather today is uh cincinnati ohio uh looks like maybe a little bit on the warm and human side in cincinnati uh, currently 73, though, at the time that we're recording this, it is uh, 11 o'clock in Cincinnati. Yeah, so that seems kind of warm for yeah, 11 for o'clock nighttime. at night. Yeah. Anyways, big ups to our listeners in Cincinnati, and apologies to the people for the last few, few weeks that we've had done guest weather, and I don't think I've given big ups to them. Uh, you, hold on. You think that we've done guest weather for a location, and you've not given big ups to them? Yeah, I think that's possible. I think we should stop right now. Well, I just want to apologize because I what I'm not actually choosy about who I give big ups to. Sure. So you're retroactively giving big ups to all all those other. That's right. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So, Mark, what have you been playing this week? Well, you and I both have been playing. We played quite a bit of Final Fantasy. Oh, the yeah. original game on the NES. Now, Mark, if you had to quantify how much Final Fantasy we played. I mean, I, 
maybe like eight hours. I think it's, yeah, I think that's on the conservative side. I think we we played for at least eight hours, and it felt like we made no progress, no progress whatsoever. Because there's so much grinding mm-hmm. in that game, and I uh, I haven't really played very much of Final Fantasy on the NES, so this is definitely the most that I've ever played. Uh, and we, I, I did play it. I, I felt like a lot as a kid, but I am certain that we've just now gotten further than I've ever gotten in the game. We are to the Earth Cave, for anyone familiar with uh, the original Final Fantasy. Our characters are level 12. 12? Um, and they are struggling in that Earth Cave. I mean, we spent hours, at, at least two or three hours, just walking around uh, the forest outside of what was it like Elf Town or whatever? Yeah, or yeah, Elf Land oh, or, or Elf Elfville, or <laughs> and just trying to level up. Yeah, it, it was a good old fashioned grind. Yeah, like where uh, a lot of a lot of the leveling up is straight not fun. Um, but I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I did too. It's a fun game. We we were both talking about how. Uh, we like the sprite work. We like the presentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we muted the music after a while, but the music's not bad. No, but the, also that was good. That was a good way for us to like just hang out and listen to some music. And I don't know. I feel like sometimes video games are like the the hack to hanging out with someone like a normal human being. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, but we, I, I we are both saying that it'd be great if they remade this game. Mm-hmm. And basically just left it as it is, just removed, like, the small annoying things that come from it being the first Final Fantasy game made in the 80s. Right. Annoying thing. When you target an enemy that dies, they don't move on to the next enemy. They swing at the air. That's an annoying thing. When you do an, uh, like, area Mm -hmm. of effect. Is that what that's called? That sounds wrong. Yeah, I don't think it's right. Like AOE? Yeah. Area of effect? Yeah. Isn't that what AOE stands for? It might, yeah. <laughs> when well, you, when you do that, right. when you do, cast like magic that uh, attacks many enemies at once, they go through each enemy individually instead of just having everybody take damage at once. Right. That should all happen at the same time. When you buy weapons, you should be able to equip them in that moment that you're doing it. Your characters miss way too often. I feel like I'm I'm still even okay with that. Like they do miss a lot and that that is frustrating, but that seems like a part of the way the game works. Um but like everything else about it could could be maintained. Yeah, I, I would be happy with it. I enjoyed it and we will definitely have to do that again. Oh yeah. So we can get another like what feels like I don't know, a tenth of the way through the game. Maybe if if we're lucky. Um I do think oh there was something else I was going to say about this game and now I'm forgetting. No. Well, why don't I talk about, Please. I was also playing Project Octopath Traveler, the demo mm-hmm. that came out. And then if you think of what you were going to say about Final Fantasy, you can cut me off at any time. No, we're already letting it go. <laughs> we're never going to know what I was going <laughs> to say about Final Fantasy. Uh, so, as I mean, we'll get into this in news, but as part of the last week's Nintendo Direct, they talked a little bit about Project Octopath Traveler and then announced that a demo was dropping right after the Direct was over with. Um, so we both downloaded this Mm -hmm. demo and, uh, so there are going to be eight characters in the game that we know of, hence the name Octopath. And you get to play as the the working title, the working title. At this point, it has, it just has to turn into the real name, right? I would not put it past square to name it something dumber than 
Project Octopath Traveler. I, I mean, I guess I just feel like they're putting out a demo with this working title mm-hmm. that at this point, everybody's just used to calling it this dumb name. I, I agree that we're used to it. I don't know that that means they'll stick to it. So you get to play in the demo, you play as two different characters. You have the opportunity to play as two different characters and you see like the beginnings of their story or what I presume are the beginnings of their story. Uh, Primrose is like a dancer. Mm-hmm. And then Ulbrich is like a knight. And they each have like individual stories that you can play through. But also, I don't know if you got to this part, but if you complete the story for one of them. So I played through Primrose the Dancer first. Yeah. And, you know, her story took me maybe like 45 minutes to get through. After that part is over, you don't just get kicked back out to the menu and you can pick Ulbrich. You can actually travel on the world map to where Ulbrich is Hmm. and get him into your party. And then you go do like a third dungeon. Sure. That I have not beat yet because I haven't leveled up enough to do it. And right. it was totally kicking my trash. Um, that's pretty cool. So I, I mentioned uh, over the weekend that this game reminds me a little bit of the old Square um, RPG Saga, saga? Frontier, um, which had a, a similar hook of there are like six, seven or eight characters or whatever in the game. And you pick... Um, you pick one of them and then you sort of like live their life in that world and some of their stories intersect and like there are different paths that you can go down for each of them. Um, and it seems like this game has some of that DNA in it. Uh, that's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's neat. I feel like there haven't been, uh, kind of more traditional RPGs or, you know, like turn-based RPGs that are, that take on those sort of role-playing aspects of actually playing a character where this does it also has uh, a pretty interesting combat system and Mm -hmm. i usually don't pay that much attention to combat system you know like i don't care that much about them but this one so each character has like a unique ability primrose can allure people Mm -hmm. and so you can get like townspeople to join you in your party and then in battle you can use them as backup and olberic has like a challenge mechanic where he can challenge people to duels which in the demo is basically just used as like a story element. And then there's one point where like you need to get a guy out from and he's like blocking your path and you can either challenge him or you can use alert to, to just walk him away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then like the actual combat itself has this like break system where enemies are weak to certain kinds of attacks, like either weapons or magic. And then it takes like, two of those attacks to bring down their shields and once mm-hmm. you've done that you're able to deal like massive damage hmm. um and also it goes maybe without saying but let's say it anyway that the game is gorgeous is were you playing on the handheld or the tv i was playing on the tv i was as well i feel like it will i don't know it would i think i thought it looked good i wish it was more okay. colorful or there was like more contrast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but I do think, like on a hand on in like handheld mode, it would look even more beautiful. Yeah, I mean it's it's just such a, like a cool and unique aesthetic. Um, and you know there there are frequently times when there's like a a really uh blocky texture like right up in your face. Um, but it it looks like they're taking a sixteen or thirteen bit game and just like propping it up and being like, here it exists in the real world. Yeah, and the music's really nice. Mm-hmm. And it has voice acting for the cutscenes and then little voice acting snippets. I ended up turning it off 
Oh, but, yeah. But um, yeah. just because I kind of found it annoying after a while. But I was impressed that the cutscenes were fully voice acted. Yeah. Because I wasn't expecting that at all. I expected it to be more like, you know, just text boxes. Yeah. Well, and I, I really enjoyed the voice acting in those, like, fully voiced sequences. Like, I thought they were good performances. Um, But, uh, yeah, the I don't... There's, like, that little incongruousness between... Uh, like a character's dialogue box says one piece of dialogue and then the actor speaks another one that's like similar in tone, but they're not saying the same thing. It, are Is that in the cutscenes or like when you're interacting with people in the world? Interacting with people in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I found to be very strange. And like Fire Emblem will do that too, where like, um, you know, uh, uh, the the actual dialogue will be like, I didn't mean to offend. And then the spoken word is like, um, sorry, m'lady. And it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> which, which of these is the character saying? Uh, and then, of course, we have both also been playing uh, Metroid Samus Returns, and we will talk more about that on Thursday's episode. Mark, let's get into the new releases. So September 20th, which is Wednesday, there's two Switch eShop releases, Morphite, and then, I don't know how to really say this, Soldam? Sure. Uh, Drop, Connect, Erase? Soldam? Soldam? I don't know. Nah. And then on Thursday, uh, two indie releases on the Switch eShop, both I'm kind of excited for. There's SteamWorld Dig 2 and Thimbleweed Park are yep. both coming out on Thursday. Both games look great, and both games will set you back 20 bucks. Do you think you're going to grab them both? Yeah, I think so. We were looking up the price before we started uh, recording, and yeah, I don't really know that right now I want to, you know, if it was if they were like $40 each, mm-hmm. that was something I'd be interested in, but like for $40 for both, uh, and since they're both games that I'm interested in, it feels worth like supporting those and just picking them up. Um, remind me why we're excited about Thimbleweed Park. I'm excited about Thimbleweed Park because it's uh created by some of the creators of my favorite point and click adventure games from uh Lucas Arts, mm-hmm. and it is a point and click adventure game, kind of like a throwback to uh like Maniac Mansion and things like that. So I'm excited to give it a try. Yeah. And then on Friday, uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver are launching on the 3DS eShop Virtual Console. And it's a Pokemon type of day because Pokemon Tournament DX is launching on Switch. Yeah, I've, I got to make a decision here. Yeah, what are you thinking right now? No, we're not holding you to this, but just, you know, what's your current temperature? I think I want to play it. I don't know that I want to pay a full price. I don't know that I want to pay for it. Is is I guess, <laughs> but maybe you know maybe I will. I I I enjoyed the demo a little bit. Um, I, I felt limited by the um extremely truncated roster. Um, and I know there are so many more characters to play as in in the full game. So I think I might. This is one we didn't look up beforehand. But is it full price? Is it sixty dollars mm-hmm. for? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. It'll. It'll be interesting to see to see what kind of community it gets on switch yeah because i don't think it sold very well on wii u but it did seem to have a dedicated fan base yeah and i mean even if it sold pretty well on wii u you know those are still like even a game like mario kart 8 which you know by wii u metrics sold very well um was still treated like a game that not many people got to play 
when it came to Switch. So, um, yeah, I don't. I, I expect this thing to find some kind of audience at least on on the Switch. Yeah, one thing I wanted to talk about with SteamWorld Dig Two coming out in Thimbleweed Park and just the I, we've talked about in the past how I have not bought a lot of indie games previously, yeah. but I'm picking a lot up on the Switch. And we hear, you hear from developers fairly often, like in the past week, the developers of Format 8, which we had talked about on the show, Oceanhorn and Death Squared have all come out and said how they're seeing the most success on Switch as a platform. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious as to your thoughts as to like why that is. Yeah, I mean, Oceanhorn in particular... Uh- they said that they sold more copies on Switch than all other platforms combined. And it's been out and featured in like the App Store for a, a few years now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what do we attribute that to? I think there are, there are a couple things, right? Um, one is that there's just a lot of excitement around the Switch. So, like, you're thinking about it as, like, the new place that you're playing games, right? Um, and there are only so many, like, big you know, triple A um titles on the thing. And so you have to kind of reach out into these other areas. So I, I think that's part of it. Um but I think an even bigger part is that it just feels good to play the Switch. Like uh it's as as a handheld it's like a, a little on the big side, but like I don't know, I've I've never had a handheld that feels as like consumer electronics-y as Switch. You know, like the 3DS God love it. Feels like a toy, um, and even like a even like my Vita doesn't really feel like a sleek, cool electronic, right? Like, uh, I don't know. I just I just think the Switch. I think there is like a Switch factor that's just fun and feels good to play with. Yeah, it's interesting to me that you're right. There aren't really. It doesn't feel like there have been like AAA game after AAA game mm-hmm. on the Switch. But for me personally, I am feeling like. I have too much to play. Yes. And uh, and I think you're right. I think indies are like succeeding on the Switch for that reason. Because uh, I've never really had this problem. And again, maybe it's because I wasn't diving into what was available in indie games. But on previous consoles, I was fine buying a game, playing it, and then waiting a few months for the next thing to come out. And, you know, this week alone, I'm picking, I'm planning to pick up SteamWorld Dig 2, Thimbleweed Park, and there are games that I have that I haven't had a chance to finish. Like, I'm developing a backlog, which I have never really done before. Yeah. And, you know, like, on top of backlog, uh, there's Splatoon to always go back to. For me, there's ARMS to go back to. Mario Kart. Mario. Like, all of these games have these kind of, like, replayability or, like, revisitability that, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it it feels like I want to keep going back to that system and, like, I check in on it. Uh, pretty regularly there's i guess it's been a little different with um since samus returns came out but i usually check in on the switch most days um and i can't say that that's true of you know a playstation 4 that i had to like fire up and hear it like hear the jet plane inside <laughs> it take off um and monopolize the tv or whatever it, it also uh you know from my perspective and maybe this is not true for other people who have bought a switch and aren't finding much to play on it or are more up on indie games and so they've played a lot of the ones that are being released mm. and don't feel the need to double dip. To me it feels like the Switch is the Switch feels like a thriving platform. Like it feels exciting to 
there are constantly new announcements for it. You know, it, it just it feels good to be a gamer on Switch. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And, you know, feels good to, like, be a Nintendo fan right now, um, which is extending beyond a single platform, which it hasn't for, you know, like, I feel like the last two generations, it's been, like, good to be a Nintendo handheld gamer and, like, okay to be a Nintendo console gamer. Um, and this is the first time I feel like in a long time that you're like, yeah, there's a bunch of Nintendo, new Nintendo systems hooked uh, in my apartment, and I want to play with all of them all the time. Mark, let's move out of the new releases. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, I'd like to talk to you about donuts. Yeah. But not just any donuts. I want to talk about the donuts that we had on Saturday. That's right. On Saturday, when we were playing Final Fantasy, before we did so, we walked to Dunkin' Donuts. Because there's a Dunkin' Donuts near my house. Uh-huh. There are precious few Dunkin' Donuts in the city of Los Angeles, but I am very near to one. So we walked over there. Uh-huh. Got half a dozen. Yep. Half a dozen dough. Let's break it down. We got a uh, maple bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a uh, pumpkin... Just, just pumpkin, or do they call it a pumpkin spice? I, I want to say just pumpkin. You want to say just pumpkin. Uh-huh. Okay, just pumpkin. Uh, a blueberry glazed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a, like a chocolate cream filled. And a lemon filled. And a lemon filled, and then just like a regular chocolate frosting. Uh-huh. Those were the six. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Okay. So, uh, standouts. In that crowd. Maple bar, hands down. Maple bar. That's my go-to donut in general. Uh, why is that your go-to donut in general? It's the maple. Love that maple. Love that maple. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I'm, I'm normally uh, like a chocolate guy, right? I'm like, if I'm going to have something sweet, I want, there to be, I want it to be chocolatey. I want it to be fudgy. I want to love it. Yeah, you're more Kathy. I'm more Garfield? Garfield? No. <laughs> I'm more Kathy, you're more anti-Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy's arch nemesis, of course. That's right. <laughs> Nega Kathy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that that was a standout for me as well. Um, Followed up mm-hmm. by the pumpkin. Yes, the pumpkin was very pumpkin good. Pumpkin glazed. Uh, we, we don't know the name of this. I'm pretty I'm sure like, it's just pumpkin. Just, I, feel, I feel fairly confident. You just said pumpkin glazed. Yeah, but I mean, like, because it's pumpkin and then there's a glaze on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you went to a Dunkin' Donuts... There would be no mistaking which one we were talking about. Right. They'll give you the pumpkin one. Yes. Uh, both of these donuts, the maple and the pumpkin, were not too sweet, mm-hmm. which uh, turns out is a quality I look for in a donut. I didn't know. So we are tooting the mm. uh, maple and uh, pumpkin, mm-hmm. but we are booting mm. the, I would say, the ones with fillings. The ones with fillings, for sure. I... That blueberry one was also bad. It was bad, but I would say it was, like, edible. Whereas, did we eat any of, like, the filling one, the lemon, there was too much lemon. Oh, yeah. In the lemon filling. Like, a disgusting amount of filling. We both took a bite of the lemon one, and then I said, I'm going to throw away the rest of, oh, by the way, we cut all these donuts in half. (laughs) 
Because we're polite. We're polite. You could invite us to your mom's house. It'd be fine. Yeah, she would love us. <laughs> you don't need to tell her that you know us from this Nintendo show. <laughs> um, yeah, the lemon one, we end up throwing out. Uh, and I ate my uh, halves of the chocolate donuts. Um, but sort of reluctantly, like... They weren't special. They were a little bit of a chore to get through. In hindsight, we did it wrong. We should mm. have reversed the order, so we ended on a high note. Right, but we started with the best, and then it was like a slow decline from there. See, but I, I don't know, because you didn't eat your halves of the chocolate donuts. No, I don't really like chocolate that much. But then it means that since we didn't, since we ended with those, you were just like, all right, I'm done with donuts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the way to go. You eat your favorite ones first, and then when you get to the ones that are going to be a problem, then you're like, oh, I can just stop doing this. Okay, well, I mean, not to trample all over another potential 433, Okay, but how do you eat your food? Do you, are you, do you eat military style, where you eat one like uh, uh, item on your plate at a time, or, or do you, are you just like throwing it all together? One of my favorite parts of any cooking show is at the end after they've assembled the dish when the cook or chef shows you how to get all pieces of the meal on one forkful and eat that. So I like to do that. I like to mix them together. Okay. I, and I like, to, I like to have the meal as, as a bite. Now, mind you, sometimes I'll just be like, oh... I'm really feeling these French fries now. I'm going to eat these French fries. They're like, oh, if I put this sandwich down, it's going to fall apart. I'll finish the sandwich, right? Um, so there are exceptions, I'm saying. What, what, how, how do you approach? I think I, I think I approach meals as like one uh, piece at a time. Sure, now and it's then, time for this. Now it's yeah, time for yeah, this. and kind of like based on my own quick like ranking of like what I'm most interested in. And then you go for most interested first or no, last? No, I feel like I go for most interested last. It's like get the chore out of the way. Mm, so you've got like something to look forward to. Yeah, I think so. But we'll never know for sure. Well, we will. In fact, I mean, I was looking for confirmation on what you just said before. Yeah, maybe I'm a liar. Yeah, you might in fact uh, be a liar. We were accompanied today by pianist Ilaf Onal. Mark, let's get into the news. The big news, of course, is that there was a Nintendo Direct last Wednesday, and I would say it was kind of like a blowout. Uh, kind of a blowout. I have to say that the experience of watch of actually watching it was like a weird roller coaster of like, uh, I'm excited about this, and I have zero interest yeah, in this. Yeah, uh, lots of peaks and valleys, and even things that I was interested in sometimes was were paced wrong for me, like uh-huh. kind of like dragged out uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah oh sorry patrick's been replaced by the sound effects from home improvement <laughs> i was trying to do banjo kazooie oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right it's really more tim allen um so you know just like we were talking about eating our vegetables first let's talk about the 3ds announcements which were fun but not really the most exciting part of the uh direct right so I, there were there were a handful of like uh kind of big ish 3ds games that were either announced or discussed, um revealed for the very first time is Mario uh, Mario Party Top 100, which will be coming out in November November 10th, um and that is a collection of the 100 best v- voted best by someone. The developers, presumably, I guess so. Uh, mini games from across the Mario Party uh 
series. Um, interesting to note, I I thought uh, so. I there's been some like scuttlebutt online about why isn't this on Switch, um, and my kind of like go-to rationale in my head was like, oh well, there are Mario Party games on uh, the DS and the 3DS. If they wanted to port those games over to uh, this collection, they would need to have dual screen and one touch screen just to replicate uh, all all the same conditions. But when they showed Mario Mario Party Top 100, it like 10 Mario Party games flash up on the screen and they're all the home console versions. Oh, so that's not why it's on the 3DS cuz they're only taking games from those uh 10 console games. Mario Party is a series that feels like it's kind of on its last legs. Or is at least waiting for that next like reinvention or reason to be excited for it? I mean, but what do you even mean by waiting? Like, what I like, I I guess that like the fan community is waiting for it. But I feel like they just pump these things out. There have been two of them on the 3DS. Yeah, there was one on the Wii U. But I think they are significantly less less successful than they used to be. Like, yes. each release is definitely um like doing less and less business than the one that came before. Right, and I mean, for me, the answer as to why this is on the 3DS is because I feel like this is a good example of the type of um, support we tend to be seeing from Nintendo on the 3DS recently. Mm -hmm. It's very clearly not a dead platform, which I expected by this point it would pretty much be. You know, they are releasing so many new versions of the hardware, and all of them are pretty great. Yeah, they're all cool. And... But this is the type of game where it's like not taking too much development resources. Um, you know, like, so why is it not on the Switch? In my mind, it's because Nintendo wants to continue to support the 3DS, but they want to do it in like Mario Party or Hey Pikmin and that yeah, type of I, stuff. I mean, I think there it could be that, you know, Nintendo's trying to put their best foot forward on the Switch and they've got all these other feet and they're putting all the other feet on the 3ds which is still something that needs to be supported but maybe not with their like coolest stuff i mean just, just glancing down the the list of like other games here there's you know pokemon uh, ultra sun and ultra moon which will be big sellers because they're pokemon games but like they seem like kind of minor reworkings of the original sun and moon yeah it's just weird like maybe there's more to them but they're keeping all of that stuff hidden at this point point. and yeah. i know we're still a few months away but it feels like a weird way to get people excited for potentially just rehashes of the game that came out last year right um and we'll i think we'll, let's get into that in a little bit more depth actually right, right now um i made some notes about like what the new features of of uh, uh ultra sun and ultra moon uh, as they listed them in in the direct, so they said there are two new versions of uh, Necrozma, which is one of the um, Ultra Beasts. Um, new areas in Alola, new outfits, a new way of meeting your starter Pokemon. Uh, you can access a Rock Ruff that can evolve into a Dusk form, like Lichen Rock. All all of this sounds like incredibly like nitpicky stuff, right? Where it's like if it's a different game with like a different story or like a different trajectory through the game, like tell me that, but they're like, uh, you meet your starters in a different way. Yeah. It just feels like there has to be more of a reason for these games to exist. And I could totally be wrong. Maybe there isn't, but it also wouldn't completely surprise me if sometime 
next like at the end of next month we get a pokemon focused direct that kind of blows out these games more but yeah at this point there's just not much to my mind to be excited for in yeah. Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's probably more excitement around um, Silver and Gold coming out at the end of this week. But also speaking to that idea of, you know, like Nintendo putting all their other feet mm-hmm. uh, on the 3DS, you have Mario and Luigi, Superstar Saga, and Browser's, Bowser's Minions. Right. Which, is, again, looks like a, like a well-crafted game and is adding lots of new content for people to enjoy but is also a remake of an old game you know like less exciting yeah. less um uh like not really like a blockbuster right and like not only is it a it's a remake of an old game with like another new game kind of stapled onto it um in a very like Star Fox Zero Star Fox Guard kind of way um but like yeah i just just to your point that like they developed something here they developed like a game system and like it's kind of cool and there's like a little bit of meat on those bones but maybe not something for a a big uh spectacular switch release but you still have third party supporting it pretty well like there's a bunch of atlas rpgs that are coming out um you have like apollo justice ace attorney coming to the west uh from nintendo of course you have fire emblem warriors but i feel like uh, the big news here was Minecraft is oh, yeah. available right now on the 3DS. Yeah, uh, by by the time the direct was over, um, Minecraft was available on 3DS. Which is that the last holdout? Can you now play Minecraft on everything? I yeah, I think so. Or like everything, everything that's relevant. Generations, yeah. yeah, it's not like the original Doom, which you could you know people got it to run on like microwaves and stuff. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's that like completionist, it's a dumbed down, uh, version of, uh, Minecraft. Um, does it have any of the, um, the Mario, the Mushroom Kingdom stuff in it? I don't believe so, but I don't know that that's true. Uh, there's also, uh, they showed a little bit of footage from the Layton game that is coming over to the, to the system too. Again, like touting some very specific, um, uh 3ds exclusive uh portions of it like she has a new outfit you like the latent games right yeah i mean i haven't played one for many many i the last one i played was on the original ds Mm -hmm. um that feels like a series that hasn't like evolved very much for better or for worse and of course there's a new kirby game Mm -hmm. coming to the 3ds early next year yeah yeah that's the crazy thing that's is is that the first uh 3ds game that we've seen announced for 2018 i think so i can't think of any off the top of my head it's january 19th which is still very early in the year but um and i guess some of these um atlas games will be coming in early 2018 as well um but yeah kirby battle royale uh, it's got a single player mode and some online it's a kirby game right i, I don't uh i know you you like kirby games but like i always feel like they're mostly disposable like an experience that you have and then kind of forget about. I think that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. I'm more excited about a Kirby game coming to Switch because for me, my best memories of playing Kirby are like uh, multiplayer Mm -hmm. and like couch co-op. So I think a Switch version that had that is more exciting to me than a 3DS version that has online multiplayer. Right. Let's use that opportunity to just get, get on over to the Switch then. Yeah. So kind of some crazy stuff. 
going on with uh, the Switch or some unexpected things, if yeah. nothing else. So where do you want to start here? Do you want to start with the most unexpected or do you want to like travel through the sort of things that we saw coming? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so there were three games that were featured as like large centerpieces here. There was Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Project Octopath Traveler, and Super Mario Odyssey. We talked about... Uh, Project Octopath Traveler. Um, they can at least drop the project part, right? <laughs> right, right. Okay, okay. Um, and yeah, that demo is available now. If you have a Switch, go play it. It's totally worth your time. And it's free! Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So this was one of those portions where we were talking about peaks and valleys. Yeah. Where I, I'm very interested in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I can't believe it's coming out December 1st. You know, they... When it was first revealed and it was supposed to come out in 2017, nobody believed it. Right. When they reiterated it in E3, nobody believed it. Now that they've announced it is coming out December 1st and shown us the packaging and all the special editions, some people still don't believe it. And a Switch Pro Controller as well. Yeah. Branded with it, with all of its stuff. But the trailer itself was kind of weird to me. One, I think the voice acting is... It's a lot. Yeah. And the character designs are a lot but the world looks cool the combat mm-hmm. looks cool and it w- the trailer was kind of bizarre it was like narrated by that old man dragon thing yeah was he one of the titans yeah he's like okay. he's i think he's he seemed to be like a titan or like a smaller titan who's kind of the main character's landlord or you know like the main well, character lives on him right but doesn't he also say that like i'm also his god <laughs> yeah <laughs> or something <laughs> It yeah, it seems and like the the actor doing um the this character's voice is uh you know it's 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 an it sets an unfortunate tone of like um being like a kindly old man caricature um who just wants to tell you his stories yeah uh so it came off uh kind of stupid right well and endless. Yes. Oh my God. It was like ten minutes of like kind of bumbling Xenoblade stuff. I rewatched the whole direct today just to like make sure that we got everything. And when the Xenoblade Chronicles thing came up, I was like, I'm gonna go do something else. <laughs> Which is weird. It's a game ex- I'm I'm interested in and excited for. Yeah. But yeah, I for me, I don't feel like that was the best showing. Or maybe it was, and I should not be as excited for this game as. I mean, I, I think I think this more than a lot of the other uh, Switch games that I'm excited about that I'm just, like, throwing my enthusiasm behind. Like, I am going to wait and see how people respond to the actual game itself. Most, like, early impressions that I've seen uh, are people saying good things about it and that it is um, uh, both complicated and accessible in uh, compelling ways. I'm just hoping that the presentation, which like the game looks great and the music sounds great, but like, man, that like acting and just uh, sort of like nonsense writing. Yeah. In an RPG, you, especially, you know, one where you could end up spending 50, 60, a hundred hours mm-hmm. in the world, like having a good combat system that's rewarding is obviously important, but so is having characters that you like and want to spend time with. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, it's also just possible that like, seeing just like little snippets of it here and there and like just checking in on like scenes it doesn't do it enough justice and it doesn't give the game the opportunity to cast its spell on you 
so that you can be tricked by everything. <laughs> um, and also, maybe there's an option to turn off voice acting. Uh, yeah, or, or turn on Japanese voice acting or something. Uh, all right. And then uh, we saw Super Mario Odyssey, uh, which seems like a slam dunk. They showed us a, a lot of new areas and new abilities and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like I, I don't, I personally don't need to see anything more about this game. No. Like, I'm sold. It's going to, I, yeah, you don't need to try to get me to buy this game right it's it's already happening uh some uh, i saw that some people were noticing that uh there's been a like graphical upgrade from the version that we saw at um e3 uh you know you can see like side by side shots of princess peach um and like the carpeting in the background is you know more detailed and the lighting on her face is better um, and her and, character model itself seemed to have gone through some upgrade. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise that like they're still, they were still working on this thing or the, the build that was at E3 was not um, as complete as the build they have right now. Um, but still, like, just kind of cool to be like, oh yeah, they're still working on this thing and still making it better. And we did get a little preview of that Kirby game that I'm excited for, mm-hmm. the Kirby Star Allies. That's coming out in spring 2018. Uh, yeah, uh, not not a whole lot of information on that, right? Just kind of uh, looks like you could take over enemies and like get them to join you, mm-hmm. but also team up with real players. Yeah, and it seems like it it'll almost be like a uh, new Super Mario Brothers style where you can have four people platforming along. But... I love I love four people platforming together. It's so chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe let's get into some of the stuff that. We weren't expecting. Okay. But it was kind of cool. Like, uh, how about snipper clips? Yeah. Cut it out together. Yeah, baby. Um, we both really liked snipper clips uh, when it originally came out on the first day with, with the Switch. Um, but, you know, after having it for a couple days and playing through it, it's kind of like, well, okay, the game's done now. Um, but they're releasing new levels, new worlds and some additional ways to play through the existing levels by starting you off as different shapes. Um, I'm really excited to revisit this game. Yeah, so it looks like uh, it's almost like an Animal Crossing, New Leaf, uh, Welcome Amiibo type situation. where What a good analogy. <laughs> where the game is being re-released with all this added content as Nipper Clips cut it out together. And that's happening on November 10th. But if you already own the game, you'll be able to... It seems like purchase the yeah, yeah, the yeah, additional it's, content. It's like as ten bucks, I think. Um, but yeah, Snipper Clips is so much fun. I will definitely be picking this up. I'm glad to see them kind of like reintroducing Snipper Clips now that the Switch has been out for a while and more people have their hands on it. Because I think Snipper Clips is a great introduction to mm-hmm. how fun the Switch can be. Yeah, and I am glad that yeah, it's getting more of a spotlight. And especially uh, that it's getting a spotlight during a time like we're we're out of Zelda's shadow now. Like we can, if Snipper Clips were to come out today and Shovel Knight, Specter of Torment were to come out today, they would both be bigger deals than had they come out um, or than when they came out on the on uh, March third. Right, because at the that point they Zelda. were kind of like the other launch titles that were there. But people felt were more like padding than actually like, right? Uh, yeah. And they're both great experiences. So, um, excited to see at least snipper clips um back in the spotlight. Nintendo also announced these arcade archives. Yeah. All right. 
Let's talk about it. Arcade so, archives. They seem they're like I don't even know how to describe it. They're not remasters. They're yeah. like um ports of enhanced ports, I guess maybe, of like these arcade games, but designed for uh like modern consoles. I don't even know. How would you describe these? So it's it's just like the arcade archives, um, the Neo Geo games, uh, where they're basically straight porting these uh Nintendo's old arcade games for the Switch. Um, for the first time ever, uh, these games have not been available on any home consoles or handhelds just ever. Um, and in, in a lot of ways, they're just like kind of re or they're, they're different versions of games that we saw on, um, on home console, uh, a lot of NES games, um, like the original Mario brothers versus, well, let's, let's go through the list of, of what, um, what they either announced or uh that they showed um super mario or mario brothers versus super mario brothers versus balloon fight versus ice climber versus pinball versus clue clue land and punch out um and so they all have you know little differences to them some in uh some graphical some with sound some in display um punch out is like totally different um i think a lot of the um actual gameplay is the same but with different uh like a little bit different moves and characters and um little mac is like a green wireframe uh and the display is on like a 90 degree angle so like oh but that's accurate to the arcade mm -hmm. version of punch out that's right um so that's yeah that's what all these are is like the the arcade versions of of all of these games and it's not a virtual console um and it's not it, it's just so weird because it's like uh i'm not sure whose nostalgia buttons they're hitting on on this one um i think i probably played some of these games in arcade cabinets but like that's not my personal experience with them that said i am excited to dig into all of these i think it's interesting that this is happening yeah and uh you know there's another new news item that we'll get to a little bit later but it makes me wonder what the future of virtual console mm. is between these like arcade archives being released and the um like games that we know are coming to the Nintendo like online uh whatever we're calling that like yeah, subscription the, the online service where there's like that yeah. like yeah service where there's like a library of NES games that have been maybe enhanced with multiplayer or, or like some sort of online functionality uh you know and they have these classic edition consoles and where is their room for virtual console at this point yeah i mean that's it's it is interesting where you're like what what what's the business model here like how many methods of classic game distribution do you need and how many like competing brands of things do you need classic edition arcade archives I guess it's only two so far, but virtual console, um, you know, that's yeah, and, whatever they the call subscription up, service. Yeah, yeah, the subscription service. So, yeah, it makes me the future of what we know as virtual console feels murky, at least to my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Another surprise, uh, Bethesda's in the game. They're putting out, as we know, Skyrim on Switch. Right, and that comes out November 17th, which is three days after uh, L.A. Noir. So I had talked last week about maybe mm -hmm. I was going to pick up L.A. Noir, but with it coming out so soon before Skyrim, 
Skyrim is more interesting to me. I will. I know I will get more enjoyment out of Skyrim than I will L.A. Noir. Uh, that's good. I think we can divide and conquer that. That I'll, I'll do L.A. Noir, and you you can do uh, Skyrim. Skyrim. Perfect. Um, but that's not all. Bethesda is also bringing Doom this holiday season and Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, sometime in 2018. Uh, Wolfenstein 2, it should be noted, is not out on other platforms yet. It comes out on October 27th, otherwise known as Super Mario Odyssey Day. <laughs> um, but it, it's incredibly exciting to see Bethesda, a huge developer with all these, with lots of, you know, exciting properties, putting so much weight behind the Switch and getting even like current generation, current generation games uh, to run on this thing. Yeah, it's really exciting. And there's also rumors of like a Fallout 4 Game of the Year edition or something out hey, there man. that may or may not be true. But it is really cool to see a big third-party publisher jump on the Switch. And yeah, they are bringing like enhanced ports of older games, but also to bring something like Wolfenstein 2. Yeah. Mark, wild speculation. What do you think's going on here? Bethesda just is like... I, let's let's do it. Let's let's back this thing. Did they see an opportunity or? Yeah, I think. So. I mean, I think it's a combination of things. It sounds like from the little bit that they've talked about the Skyrim port that like previously Nintendo wasn't really Nintendo never reached out to Bethesda mm-hmm. or anything, and that seems like with the, in the lead up to the Switch that relationship grew a lot. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean. Honestly, I think other Western third parties who are sitting out on, who are like not participating and not putting their games on Switch are going to be missing out because they're, uh, it, the, the Switch to me feels different from the Wii where mm-hmm. there is a lot of excitement around the console and there's a lot of excitement about product that isn't just Nintendo. Right. Well, and I mean, I think more, uh, more to the point too that like, people who play video games are excited about the the switch and people who play video games weren't necessarily excited about the the Wii. So those people are going to pick up Skyrim for the third or fourth or fifth time and then Doom and Wolfenstein and probably Fallout. Um Yeah, no that's uh it, it's it's cool and exciting and I I think Bethesda is pretty well positioned for that kind of move too just because they their games always to me seem more like PC focused. So they're like built on that system of like sliders anyway, of like how, how high graphic fidelity can your PC handle? Great. We'll scale up to that or great. We'll scale down to it. So if they just need to like set those sliders on the lower end of, uh, you know, average to put it on switch. Great. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, and I think that pretty much wraps up the direct. There were some other things in there that we didn't really hit. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about that you feel like we're missing? Only quickly to mention that the Breath of the Wild um, champion ballad amiibos were dated for November 10th. Um, no word on the release date of the ball- the champion's ballad DLC. Uh, I would have thought that they would have been day and date. Um the amiibo and and the and the pack, uh, but maybe maybe not. Yeah, I mean maybe they will be, and we they just haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, I mean that would be, I mean whatever. <laughs> I mean I think they're gonna do probably a whole reveal mm-hmm. about the champions ballad, and they probably just didn't have time in 
the uh, direct, but they want to get those pre-orders up. So what <laughs> yeah. are you going to do? Yeah, I, I don't know. And it, tapping those things in will give you more helmets for the ancient armor that are based on the divine beasts. Um, I like that ancient armor. So I'll I'll wear I'll wear all of those helmets. So I'll wear uh, every single one. <laughs> so a couple of uh just like remaining news items that aren't Nintendo Direct related. A few weeks back we talked, I think, about data miners finding an NES emulator in the uh Switch firmware with the code name Flog. Turns out that there's possibly more to that name. Um and that it might have had the particular meaning of golf. You mean because flog is golf backwards? Yeah. So allegedly, hidden on each switch um, is a copy of golf, the NES game, mm-hmm. uh, that complete with like two-player Joy-Con support. So there's some question about whether this is real or not, uh, only because other like the person who found it hasn't explained how they got to it or how they activated it. Oh, interesting. And uh, nobody else has, like, replicated it. But Ars Technica reached out to Nintendo for comment. And while uh, a PR rep didn't provide official comment, they did respond with, ha, H-A exclamation mark for, so whatever that means. <laughs> uh, like, a, ha, you found it. Yeah, or like, a, ha, that's dumb. Or, ha, the rest of my day is going to be more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Uh, So, yeah, maybe this is, if real, maybe this is just a test for those uh, online service games that we were talking about that just got, like, left in the firmware. Yeah, that's possible that it's just, like, a something that they booted on, like, there's a little, like, test case for each Switch to be, like, does it work? Does it connect to whatever it has to connect to. Yeah, or, you know, like, a lot of times thing get, things get left in code because it's difficult to take it out or time-consuming or there's no real benefit if you hide it deep enough. Right. And so maybe this was something that was never intended to be found, but it was, te- like, a test to see if they were able to do these things for the online service. And also, if people discover it, then, hey, good for you. You get to play NES Golf. Yeah, exactly. Uh, finally, if you were one of the many people who wanted an NES Classic Edition but weren't able to get one, Nintendo kind of surprised everybody last week by announcing that they're going to be bringing the NES Classic Edition back next summer, in the summer of 2018. Was this really just last week? I feel like this was so (laughs) long ago. (laughs) And, uh, they also reiterated that the SNES Classic, there will be more of those available day one than there were of the NES Classic total. So that means that there will be more than like 2.3 million units out there on day one. And they're going to continue making the SNES Classic into 2018, whereas previously it was announced to just be a 2017 exclusive. Which is such a weird thing to announce, by the way. that We're going to sell this thing for three months. (laughs) That's it. Well, I mean, I think before they were still planning on it being limited. And so they wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, to give people a heads up but it seems like they have reversed course and are just going to make these things seemingly freely available. So my theory on uh, on the NES Classics and the SNES Classics is that they realize they have this insane market for these machines and for these games, and we will not see 
NES games or Super NES games on any kind of Switch virtual console until the fervor around these boxes has died out. But we know that we're getting NES games on the Switch before the fervor around these dies out. Do we? We know that there will... Well, okay, so you're saying the uh, the subscription yeah. thing? Um, yeah, I guess those... We won't see those games, though. You're not going to see Super Mario Brothers 3. You're not going to see A Link to the Past. You're not going to see Super Metroid on, on the Switch as long as they can sell um, these uh, Classic Edition consoles. So here's my question is for you is when the NES Classic Edition comes back next summer, mm-hmm. is it going to be the exact same as the original run or are they going to pack in a second controller, extend the mm, cords to sure. equal the length of the Super Nintendo Classic Edition one. Are they going to put five more games in it? Right. Will it be the same price? Mm. Now they know what the demand is, right? Like, do you think it'll be exactly the same? I'm imagining the cords will be a little bit, will equal the length of the... Of the Super Nintendo Classic Yeah, which is, I think we're like two or three feet longer. I'm guessing identical. Really? I'm going to say that they're they're going to be identical in price and in skew to what, what they were originally. Or, like, if not that then like make some real changes put in the second controller longer cords more games maybe raise the price maybe don't um you had mentioned this before but it would be interesting if they did like a different mix of games yeah yeah i mean there are some games on there that that could go <laughs> i could go no problem <laughs> We don't need that port of Pac-Man on there. No, and we could, but I would love to have Castlevania 3 on there. Would love to have Castlevania 3 on there. I don't need Castlevania 2 on there. No, you can, you can remove Castlevania 2. <laughs> All right, Mark, I think we've, uh, we've actually made it through the news. Let's get out of the news. And that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, remember, if you like the show, you can rate and subscribe and review us on iTunes. Um, but, you know, if you just like listening to us, we appreciate you. So, thank you. And on Thursday, we'll be back to talk about Samus. Or, man, I did that again. Metroid, Samus Returns. You were going to say Samus, Metroid Returns. I was. It's true, though. B- both Samus and the Metroids are returning in this game. Uh, that'll be on Thursday. Uh, remember, you can always uh, follow us on Twitter at where at NinCart Society. Check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. And if you have any feedback or want to ask us any questions, you can shoot us an email at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. If you like Mark Mind's opinions, we do write about comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can check out his music on apebetty.com or by listening right now. <laughs> For my co-host Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thanks for listening. What's a creative podcast network?